The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. So I want to get into the Word this morning. I'm excited to get into the Word this morning. I trust and believe God every time we come together that there's purpose for it, uh, that there's intention behind it. You know, when you, when you begin to function and operate in church life Sunday to Sunday to Sunday to Sunday, things can, can become routine or mechanical where, you know, it, it, it's Saturday night and I get an email. It's Pastor Jared. Here's the song list for tomorrow. Well, now we're going through. But you try to, to make sure that none of those things become mechanical. Though so you do have schedules that you work with and you do work with other people and you flow with things, you want there to be a, a genuine and legitimate impartation from the Spirit of God every time you come together. And, and I desire that as we get into the Word this morning, and I'm really excited, believing wholeheartedly, that there's something in today's word for every person in the room. So I encourage note-taking. If you have the ability to jot down some notes, that's great. If you don't, it's not unchristian-like to mug your neighbor for a pen or some paper or something along those lines. Or you can jot some things down if you want to. You know, when you write those things down, it gives you a chance to revisit them in your own time. And God is always speaking to us on an individual level, leading us and guiding us and teaching us. And it's important uh, as we get into the word together that we receive those things all together and individually. Here's a few things we're going to find in the Word. A few things that we're going to find in the Word this morning. One, how God feels about you. How God feels about you. Now, this is a really big one, in my opinion. In fact, I think if you took most of, of people's problems, and I mean, I've, I've functioned in ministry for, for 20 years now, and there's a number of times where you have the opportunity to meet with people. They're going through difficulties or having trials or, or just dealing with issues of any kind. And you, they come for some help, and you're able to give them some help. And, and I can tell you, if we could understand just that one thing, how God feels about you, it might clear up about 85% of all the things that people have issue with or are challenged by or, or deal with in, in negative ways. How God feels about you is a really important thing for us to know and we'll see that very clearly in the scripture. A second thing we're going to find, and this might intrigue some of you who, who maybe just are wondering what's going on, what God is doing. God's at work doing something. We sang a song, and apparently in that song, he never stops working, right? Did you catch that in that little bridge there? Uh, even when I don't feel it, even when I don't see it, you're working, you never stop, you never stop working. Well, he's doing something. What's he doing? We're going to find out what it is he's doing. And then a third thing, we're going to find out, and this may not communicate very well, but you'll understand it when we get there, why Jesus identified himself the way he did. Why he identified himself the way he did. Some of the things we read in the scripture or, or we see in, in some cinematic portrayals of the scripture, and, and they become very poetic and, and very dramatic, but there's reason why he used the words he used when he identified himself. And they're very powerful reasons, and we ought to see him as having that identity in our life. It needs to be more than just trivia. It needs to be something that's believed in and trusted in. So I want to get into the Word. We're going to go through a number of scriptures this morning, and I think we can move relatively quickly and have a, a really good time and have a, a, a great impact in our lives. Uh, if you want to take down some notes, you can take this down. It's, it's kind of a personal favorite passage of scripture of mine. I want to offer it to you. We're going to build off of it. It's out of the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 1. 
Luke chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 68 and go through verse 75. It's a prophecy here speaking about what God is doing, what's going on with Jesus. The the coming of the Messiah, Jesus the Messiah, meaning the the anointed one, the chosen one to come, uh, make atonement for our sins, all of the things that God has prophesied and spoke about. Jesus is, is fulfilling all of those things. And as this is being described through this prophetic word, Uh, it reveals some things that we ought to pay attention to. Uh, Beginning in verse 68, it says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel who has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. He's raised up a horn of salvation for us from the house of David. He's spoken by the mouths of his holy prophets that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all of those who hate us. He does this to show mercy toward our fathers and remember his promise, the oath that he swore to Abraham to give to us that being rescued from the hand of our enemies, we might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness all of our days. I mean, it's kind of a mouthful, right? But if you paraphrase that and you just come down to the point of it, it's saying God is setting us free from our enemies so that we never have to be afraid of anything so that we can serve him in holiness and in righteousness. And that's pretty awesome. And when you look at that passage of Scripture, you can understand something, that that the thing that would assault holiness and righteousness is fear. That as God's working in our lives, he's working to deliver us from fear of our enemies and their their power over us or their attempts to claim our lives, all of their schemes and all of their challenges and all of their hatred toward us. He's setting us free from that fear so that we can function and operate as he's called us to, holiness and righteousness, serving him. It's a wonderful thing that, that God is accomplishing through the gospel. It's the process of redemption that we celebrate. We've talked about redemption on a couple of occasions, that it literally means to purchase back or buy back. Now, we're familiar with redemption these days when we use things like coupons. You know, you go to a store and they literally are buying back the coupon. That's where that comes from. Well, when God redeemed you, he paid a price to purchase your life. You're no longer your own, but you belong to him. I want to look at a passage of scripture that affirms and confirms that and sets the foundation for where we're going. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to the, the, the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 43. I want to look at the first five, five excuse me, verses from Isaiah 43. Isaiah chapter 43, beginning in verse 1, uh, you, you hear this being spoken, but now this is what God says. Your creator, he formed you. <clears throat> he goes on to say, do not fear for I have redeemed you. Now, if this is me and I'm reading this in my Bible, I'm probably busting out my pen and underlining, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I might be circling it. I might be putting stars by it. One thing's for sure, I'm going to take that statement that God speaks and he's speaking to me and I want to understand it. I mean, basically what it's revealing to me is that awareness, that understanding that I've been redeemed will set me free from all fear. Why else could God say such a thing as, don't be afraid, I've redeemed you? He's speaking this because these two things go hand in hand. Our redemption goes hand in hand with the freedom from fear. He goes on to say this, and I have called you by name, you are mine. I'm probably going to circle that too, put some stars by it. Draw some lines around it. 
You are mine. The idea that he has redeemed me, meaning purchased, and now I belong to him. That means nothing else can touch me without violating him. There was one <clears throat> night, I, I'm notorious for collecting stuff. I mean, I, I've, I've been known to, to see something and, and you know, uh, I lived in a neighborhood once in Fort Worth and they had big trash day and I thought it was like a holiday, you know, where you drive around and you're looking at everybody's stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's not very classy, is it? But I don't mind showing my clay feet from time to time. But I, I, I'm notorious. I'll bring stuff home and I'll say, hey, I can refinish that or hey, I can redo this and, and you're welcome to come over to my house sometime and I'll, I, I, I'd ask you to say, hey, uh, can you guess which one of these things came from the trash? You know, it's a piece of living room furniture. But it was restored, and now it's beautiful. I mean, you could say that, that there was a restoring work done there that, that very much uh, mirrors God's work in my life. What was once cast away now has purpose. But I, I collected things. I had a few things there in the driveway, and I remember uh, I thought, you know, I need to clear this off the driveway. It's just it doesn't need to be out here. And then it, it was about 2 in the morning. Uh, I had a, a small puppy, and that little puppy needed some attention, and I go outside and I, I see a car drive by, and it drives by really slow. And I just remember thinking, they're going to stop. And so I just kind of go to the side of the house and stand there, and I hear a car door open, and I hear it shut, and it shuts kind of soft. And I remember thinking, that guy's going to come up my driveway. And so I just stand there and wait. And sure enough, this guy who's wearing black from head to toe, you know, black jacket, black pants, comes skulking up the driveway, looking at the stuff in it, you know. And I just said, <clears throat> hey. I didn't say it quite that soft and that kind. And he's froze and he stopped. I said, what are you doing? Oh, uh, 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 I need to use your phone. I was wondering if I could use your phone. I said, you sit right there. I want to see your driver's license. And he pulled out his driver's license and he gave it to me. And I said, I'll go get my phone and I'll be right back. And called the police. You know, the guy had been out robbing garages and robbing things. Now, here's the thing. What, what made me, you know, shout that guy down? What, 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 what stirred in me that I could say, hey, what are you doing? You sit right there and give me your identification. Tell me what your intentions are. Tell me why you're here. What would, what would do that except for this? He was going to mess with my stuff. I'm serious. It sounds goofy, right? But he was going to mess with my stuff. Now, I got news for you. It sounds shallow to say it this way, but you're God's stuff now. If you've been redeemed, if you've been bought back, then you belong to him. And when he says things like, you are mine, that's a truth. And anything that wants to come tamper and mess with you is violating him. And he won't be violated. So the rest of this passage says, When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you go through the rivers, I'll be there. When they overflow and it seems like they're going to overtake you, I'll be there. When you walk through the fire, I'll be there with you. You won't be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I've given another as your ransom. It's very powerful what he's speaking there in Isaiah. And then he goes on to reveal this. I told you we're going to find how God feels about you. You're about to see that. He says, I've given another as your ransom since you are precious, honored, 
and loved. That's how God feels about you. I've given another in your place since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored and I love you. It goes on to say, I will give another in your place, another in exchange. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I mean, if you're ever wondering how God feels about you, you feel like you've been kicked around, you feel like things aren't going right, just understand that his word will never pass away, it's never going to change, and he put it down, recorded it in such a way that it'll never be shaken, never be altered, how God feels about you, you're precious in his sight, you're honored, and he loves you. And you can continue reading here in Isaiah chapter 43. In fact, I want to. I want to jump down to verses 15. I told you that we're going to find what God is doing. You'll see it here as we continue in Isaiah 43. Beginning in verse 15, God continues to speak. He says, I'm the Lord, the Holy One, the Creator. I'm your King. He goes on to say, I am the Lord who makes a way, a way through the sea. A path through the mighty waters. Who brings out the chariots and the horses and the army of the mighty men that they might fall down together never to rise again. That they might be quenched and extinguished like the wick of a candle. Now he's speaking in Isaiah. He's referring here to things that happen in Exodus. When you see Moses leading the Israelites And all of the sudden, they're being chased by Pharaoh and the chariots and the army of Egypt. And the army of Egypt was a force in this time. And then they come to a place where they're trapped between the seaside and this army. And it's a a point of of desperation where there seems to be absolutely no way. It's it's a matter of just choosing which way you want to die. You want to drown in the sea or you want to take the edge of the sword. Take your pick, but that's all we've got today. In the midst of ultimate desperation, when there's no seemingly way to, or no, no way that can be perceived to escape or to, to advance, God makes a way. And he identifies himself as the one who makes a way. I mean, this is years later. What you've got to understand is between Exodus and Isaiah, God is not having some kind of insecure identity crisis where he's saying, hey, guys, you're not really worshiping me. And I want to remind you, remember that thing I did back there? You know, you should remember that. And, and, and maybe that should kind of, you know, up your excitement about being my people a little bit. He's not dwelling on this one moment. I mean, we call that Uncle Ricoing. Do you know that phrase at all? Napoleon Dynamite. You ever see the movie? Uncle Rico always talking about his high school football days, you know. God's not hung up on something he did back then. But he's identifying himself as the one who does this. Not the one who did this, but the one who does this. He's not identifying himself, thus I am the Lord, the one who made a way. But he's saying, I am the Lord, the one who makes a way. It's not something that he did. It's something that he does. It literally is who he is. He goes on to say, don't call to mind the former things, excuse me, or ponder the things of the past. He's basically saying what I just said. Don't think this is something that I did. Rather, you need to know this is something that I do. Don't call to mind former things of the past. Don't ponder the things that once were. Behold, I'm doing something new. 
Now it will spring forward. He's literally saying in this passage of Scripture, though I did this thing in the past, that's not what I'm referring to. This is who I am. I do this even now in your life today. I make ways where there are no ways. When you feel that you are in a point of desperation and have no options and all hope is lost, I'm still there. And what you can't see, I can see. I love the the word that's used when God is talking about making a way through the sea. I mean, the, the word could be translated road. I mean, the one thing about a road through a sea is that you, you can't tell it's there. There's no way to visually see that it's there until that sea parts, until God does his work, and then you can see it. But God sees things that we don't see. He knows the things that we don't know. He understands the plan that he has in place. And it has a wonderful purpose. Every horrible, terrifying, frustrating, disappointing thing in my life has had a really awesome purpose. And I think it's safe to say the same for you. As he's revealing these things to us, he says, Behold, I do it new. Will you not be aware of it? He goes on to say, I even make roadways in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give my chosen people a drink. The people whom I have formed and called for myself will declare my praise. Well, really and truly, if I consider that passage of Scripture, that's the story of my life. I was in a desperate situation. I had no solution. God made a way, and now I'm forever grateful. And it's not a one-time thing. It's a continual thing. God is constantly making a way. If you want a passage of Scripture that kind of defines just life in general, whether you're willing to say my life or just life, I would offer this one, Psalm 50, verse 15. Psalm 50, verse 15, it reads like this, Call upon me in the day of trouble, I will rescue you and you will honor me. That pretty much makes up my life. I've needed to see God move in power. I've needed to see his authority manifest in my life. He's delivered me. He's rescued me. In his faithfulness, he's brought all of his promises to pass in my life. And the result is I will honor him. I will praise. I will worship. I will be grateful. When he's telling us, don't think of the things of the past, he's not telling us, forget about all of that stuff. He's saying, don't associate me being a waymaker with a one-time event. But understand, it's who I am in your life all the time. No matter what. Do you need a way made in your marriage? I'm a waymaker. Do you need a way made with your children? I'm a waymaker. Do you need a way made in your business? I'm a waymaker. Do you need a way made in fill in the blank? He's a waymaker. Not a one-time thing that he did, but a constant thing that he does. I want to give you a couple of passages of Scripture because you see what God's doing there when you read in Isaiah 43. There's two things that he's doing, and I told you we were going to find out what God is doing. If you want to jot these things down, we can jot them down now. One, he's making a way where there is no way. He says a roadway in the wilderness, meaning he's blazing a trail or cutting a path where there's not one visible or there's not one in existence. The second thing that he's making is rivers in the desert. He's bringing that water that's necessary for life into the place where there is none. 
He did both of these things in the past. You can read about them in the book of Exodus. You can read about them in the book of Numbers. These are things that God did do in the past, but he's speaking to us in Isaiah saying, don't limit my identity to those activities recorded in history in the past. Understand that it's who I am all the time. I make the way where there's not a way. I bring the provision for life where there is none. I want to talk about God's way. Psalm 77, it reads like this. Your way, O God, is holy. And what God is great like you? You're the God who works wonders. You've made known your strength among your people, and by your power you have redeemed your children. That's his way. Your way is in the sea. Your paths in the mighty waters. Your footprints may not be known, but you lead your people like a flock by the hand. We might not see what God's doing, but he's doing something. He's moving us through the things that are difficult, the things that are frustrating. We might feel like we're at the end of our rope and all things are hopeless, but we can always trust and believe that there is a way even when we can't see it. Psalm 5 verse 8 says, O Lord, lead me in your righteousness. Make your way straight before me. That's an interesting request. You have to understand when you read that psalm, it's a request. It's a prayer being offered up. Make your way straight before me. I mean, we could introduce that into our prayer life. Instead of just simply saying, God, I want you to do this, and I want you to do that, and I want you to do that, and then this and this, it just becomes really simple. Father, I know you have a plan. Will you lay it out before me? Make your way straight before me. I'll give you another passage out of the Psalms that connects to that one. Psalm 27, verses 11 and 12. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on level ground. Don't deliver me over to the desires of my adversaries. Teach me. What another thing, what a wonderful thing to introduce into our prayer life. Lay it out before me and then teach me your way. Show me the things that you're doing by teaching me the things that are to come. Make this way known before me. Make it understood that I might walk in it. Psalm 37, verse 34. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. He will then exalt you. You will inherit the land. And that is a reference to the promise of God. You'll inherit the promises. So there's this process of the way that we can have it set before us. God can teach us his way. Then we can keep his way. And upon keeping his way, there's the result of promises. When we're in the midst of desperation, when we cannot see solution, we need to understand that God truly is a way maker. Not just was at one time, but is constantly. I told you we were going to find why Jesus identified himself the way he did It's important that we understand this. He's revealing all of the power and all of the urgency of Scripture in his identity. If you want to take this down for your notes, I would encourage it from the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus stands and identifies himself. It reads as this, Jesus stood and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. What an interesting way to identify yourself. I am the way. And it's an incredible thing in that it's absolute. I'm not a way, one of many, but the way. 
When we read in the scripture, when we read in the prophecies, when we read in the promises of God that he is a way maker, not just something he did one time, a pretty cool display in history to prove to everyone that he existed, but that it is in his nature to reveal to us the possible when we see impossible, to make a way where we see no way, that it results in praise and worship and celebration, that he views us as being precious in his sight, honored, and he loves us. When we understand these things, we can begin to see what's going on in our lives day to day. God is making a way, and that way leads us to a place of gratitude, celebration, thanksgiving, and worship. The word in Isaiah says that he makes rivers in the desert. I mean, the reference to the moments when this was recorded in history with the Israelites come from Exodus and Numbers. Where you see water flow from rock. And we're not talking about a couple of glasses of water, but you're talking about enough water to sustain a very large group of people and all of their livestock. This is a miracle. And God is saying to us in Isaiah, now listen, that kind of provision isn't just something I did one time, it's something I do. Those living waters are meant to flow in and through our lives and now flow out of our innermost being according to the promise that Jesus has for us. But this is something that God is doing. I want to give you a couple of passages of scripture here. Uh, Psalm 105 verses 44, or excuse me, 41 through 44. God opened the rock and water flowed out. And it ran in the dry places like a river. He remembered his holy word with Abraham, his servant, and he brought his people out with joy, his chosen ones with a joyful shout. He gave them the promise. In Psalm 18, verses 30 through 32, As for God, his way is blameless. The word of the Lord is tried. It's a shield to those who take refuge in him. For God is the Lord. And who is the rock except our God? The God who guides me and surrounds me with strength and makes my way blameless. Our way becomes blameless when our way becomes his way. His way is Jesus who identified himself as being the way. Psalm 18 speaks of the rock again. Again, not a one-time event, but God saying, listen, it's not just something I did, it's something I do. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. We used to sing that in church. It was a song. It's a song that will come to my mind on occasion. And because it's straight from the scripture, it's a very powerful thing to recall. That psalm goes on to say this, and this would have been the chorus to that song when I was a kid. The Lord lives, and blessed be the rock, and exalted be the God of my salvation, the God who executes vindication for me. And subdues people under me. He delivers me from my enemies. The wonderful thing about God doing all of that for you means you don't do it yourself. I no longer vindicate myself. I just trust that God will take care of me. 
No matter what abuse or slander or gossip, or I trust that God will handle it. I don't have to go and get in the mud and, get in the, and lower myself to the level of the accuser. Rather, I can know, according to the scripture, he's my rock. He'll vindicate. He'll go to war for me. He will make a way. I don't need to make my own way. He has a way made for me. When you read these things, it can increase our understanding and reveal to us wonderful and powerful things. And again, specifically, the identity of Jesus, who he is in our lives. When he said he's the way, he's revealing to us everything that God said in Isaiah, that these weren't one-time events. Rather, this is what I do in your lives. Jesus is saying, that's me. I'm the way in your life. When you're at a point of desperation... When you see no solution whatsoever, I'm the solution. I'm the way. And then as he would identify himself again, he would reveal that those rivers that are meant to break out of the rock, that nourishment, that provision that's necessary to life in the middle of of desolate desert and desolation of all kinds, Jesus reveals this to us in John chapter 7, specifically in Verse 37 and 38. He stands and he makes this declaration. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Just like that rock that poured out water where there was nothing to sustain life. Not a one-time miracle recorded in history to acknowledge what God was once capable of, but an example to reveal to us what God is constantly doing in his people. Doing a powerful work, making a way where there's absolutely no way, pouring out that which gives life where there is no sustenance. And because of his finding you precious, because of his honoring you, and because of his loving you, He does these things for you, in you, and through you. We're meant to function and operate with a powerful testimony. My life is one story after another that fulfills, call upon me in the day of trouble, I shall rescue you, and you will honor me. I could tell you about all kinds of troubles where God delivered, and now I praise his name. It's my life and it's your life, and it's meant to be shared in such a way that it brings life into those around us who are in desperate need of it. God is a way maker. He does make provision. It's not something that he did once upon a time, but it is what he does today in me and in you. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I mentioned before when we were opening up and beginning what I thought was really necessary and important, foundational for any believer to to see that there is a way, to not give in to hopelessness, to understand that waters can break out of the rock 
when there's seemingly no sustenance, when there's seemingly no way or no source of life, God can bring it from, from that source that men would say is impossible for it to come from. And it's not just something that he did one time, but it's what he does in our lives constantly. That obstacle is this awareness that God would do that for you in the first place. I can read about it, that he did it then for them. I can understand and believe that. Or, or I can hear someone else's story and, wow, God did that for them, well, good for them. But one of the greatest obstacles is believing that God could do that or would do that for you. And I think it's important for us to see that God is revealing to us how he feels about us. I mean, really and truly, this past week was a rough week for me. I made some terrible choices. I did some things that I wished I wouldn't have done or I would go back and do differently. Said some things I wished I wouldn't have said. In hindsight's 2020, but this is stuff that I probably should have had a little better judgment going into it. And so I could easily find myself in a place of saying, you know, it's hard for me to believe that I'm precious in your sight. Uh, because when I look at me, I, I'm a, I see a dirt bag. It's hard for me to believe that you would honor me because I, I don't feel very honorable. And it's hard for me to believe that you could ever love me because I've been so hateful. But really, when we come to this place of seeing what God has established, it goes beyond anything that we would see as we look at ourselves. It transcends any self-awareness that we would have outside of Jesus. And it introduces everything that's necessary for all of those things to be true. Because of the work of Jesus Christ in my life, because of the, the presence of the Spirit of God upon my life, I'm precious in His sight. I'm honored. And He loves me. And you could go further than that. It's not just that the presence of Jesus or the presence of the Spirit of God is on my life so He sees me that way. Because the truth is, before Jesus was in my life, He saw me that way. Before the Spirit of God was upon my life, He saw me that way. And as we understand these things and take one step and then one step further and then one step further even so, we come closer and closer to aligning ourselves with the reality that God simply loves us. Without there being any merit or anything earned on our behalf, His love and His affection for you is absolute. And upon coming into that understanding, I think we can begin to see, well, I know that you love me and I can't imagine that in this situation you won't make a way. I know that you am precious in your sight, that you cherish me. So though I can't see it, because I know you cherish me, because I know I'm precious to you, I trust that you'll make a way in this situation. I know that you honor me, though it's hard for me to see that I deserve to be honored in any way. I know that you do. It's in your word. Therefore, in this situation where I don't see any hope, because I know you honor me, I trust and believe that you'll make a way. I know that you love me, even though I have done foul things against you. I trust and believe that though I can't see a solution, you'll make a way. 
And I believe the greatest challenge is coming into an agreement with the fact that God does find you precious, that he does honor your life, and that he does love you. And upon receiving that identity ourselves, with no greater confirmation that those things are true than the offering of Jesus Christ to die in our place, upon coming into that awareness and that understanding, I believe that every person can come to the conclusion, no matter what, that God is a way maker. No matter how it looks, no matter how it feels, no matter what anyone else says, God makes a way. I want to pray, and I want to pray for you, I want to pray for me, I want to pray for us this morning, that we would come to see ourselves the way God sees us. That we wouldn't simply trust and believe that He's a way maker for others or that He's made ways in the past, but that we would come to see that He's our way maker. He's our God. He's purchased us, He's redeemed us, and He's told us, don't think I just did that once. I do that all the time. And I'd like to see a transformation in our minds and in our hearts that would leave no room for anxiety, fear, or doubt. That we could be a people who are never without hope, but always trusting and believing because God cherishes us, because God honors us, and because God loves us, He will make a way. And when it's because he cherishes and it's because he honors and it's because he loves, that means it's never because we've earned it, we were good enough, we've achieved it, he owed it to us. It's just simply because of his affection for us. So there where you stand, I want to pray and ask God to do a work in our minds and in our hearts to equip us to be aware of his love for us that we would never be without doubt that he will make a way that will never make room for anxiety, never make room for fear, but will always stand firm upon the truth that God will arrive and accomplish the way which He's established for us. There where you stand, you can be in agreement or you can just simply receive. I want to pray and ask God to do this for me, for you, for all of us together. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We marvel and rejoice at the things You've done in the past. But let there be an awareness and an understanding that these were not one-time events. Rather, these were examples that you've given to us to know that you offer this in our lives right here and now. That we never have to give in to desperation, never have to bow down to anxiety, never have to cave in to fear, but that we can see you as a way maker in every aspect of our life. Let an awareness of how you feel about us and how you view us flood over our minds and hearts and transform us. That you find us to be precious in your sight. That you honor us and that you love us. Let those truths have such a massive and profound effect on our hearts and minds that will never be the same. And that when we're faced with challenges, trials, and tribulations, we'll never, ever give up hope. But that we'll stand firm knowing that we are cherished, that we are honored, that we are loved, and that you are our way maker. We bless your name and we thank you for these things. Let a transforming work take place right here and right now that we might never be the same. And let us stand out in this world as those who would walk in courage and strength 
when others would fail, when others would fall, we stand held upright by your mighty hand, encouraged by your words, walking in the way that you have made for us. We bless your name and we give you thanks in the mighty name of Jesus and all the saints declared, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at